Off top, the first R&B hit is believed to be by a guy named Louis Jordan in a weird song called Choo Choo Chaboogie. Kind of knocks a little bit. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What up? Today we are joined once again by, I was going to say one of my favorite people, but he's actually like one of America's favorite people. Right. Yeah, Marcus Spears. What up, brother? I see you one of my favorite people, too. Thank you, man. Now, you keep it real all the time. And we had a good... Love the reason, y'all. The reason why I brought up uh, the R&B off top is because you and I had a moment the other day talking about that Diddy album. Oh, my God. <laughs> the love album. It's aimed right at old people like me and you. And yeah, my wife the, loves it, too. Slow the hell down. <laughs> that album tells you to slow the hell down. That's what it tells. Charlie has an uncomfortable smile on his face. You didn't listen to that Diddy R&B album? This is when you just nod and smile. <laughs> hey, Charlie. What's up, Marcus? That's one of get my some favorite things to get. Good hair, man. Yeah, you got you. a good, you got a good, some good hair up there, bro. That's so. Charlie was a producer for a while. People didn't know what he looked like, and then they saw him. And I think it's oh, the curls. Mm-hmm. And then we had some some curls social girls. Yep, some social media reaction <laughs> for the curls, and people started calling this man various snack puns because they say okay. he was a vanilla snack. <laughs> so Charlie out in these streets, he's popping now. Okay. <laughs> what? Am okay. I making it up? Yes. Am I making it up? No, no, or, no. You're my greatest supporter. <laughs> or did they call you Snakeem Olajuwon? Did I make that up, or is that a real thing? That's. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie about it. It happened. <laughs> Snack Hill <laughs> O'Neal. All right. Snack Prescott. Snack Prescott too. But anyway, Charlie was in New okay. York with us recently. Me and him together. The ladies call us the Snack Pack. Anyway, Snack Pack number two. Go, go ahead and uh, tell us what we talk about. Y'all got today. room for a thick, a thick snack? <laughs> Always. Let me come hell, next time. Hell yeah! All right, next time we will get together. All three of us. Watch out, New York yeah, City. That's right. Gonna be a lot of good-looking de- guys who gonna be in bed by nine. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we were in bed by eight thirty. Hysterical. Uh, with, the, um, with the dinner with with punk Pablo. That's right. Five fifteen dinner reservation. And that is true. Yeah. That's not a joke. We had a reservation for five fifteen for dinner. You left work and went straight to dinner. So, <laughs> we we totally Jesus. misplayed it too. We had lunch at four and then dinner at five fifteen. Yeah. Um, I right, guess so. We got the I don't know the best football game of the season so far. I said that last week about Bills Dolphins, but now I really mean it about Cowboys Forty ers <laughs> Um, we we're going back and forth on what the question is for this game, and to me, we're going to come back to the quarterbacks to start. Yeah. Which quarterback yeah. do you guys trust more on Sunday Night Football, Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott? Purdy. What? Um, Purdy for me because it's, it it really is is twofold because of his offensive play caller number one, and then two like he's he's I had to be sold on Brock Purdy because we've seen a lot of quarterbacks have success in this system that Kyle Shanahan has, but watching him and 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 watching the tape like the end zone copies like dude is just in full command of what they're doing offensively. And I don't think he – I think he's one of those quarterbacks that comes in the game with the least amount of pressure on him to be a superstar than anybody in the NFL. So with that being said, like his running back should be a top two, three MVP guy. Um, really good offensive line. What I do like about Brock Purdy, though, is when he's operating, it looks very surgical-like. And I think you have to have that element as a quarterback if you're going to be good 
and really good for a long time. It has to be sustainable. Um, the only reason I, I don't say Dak is because he has to, we talked about it this week, Fox Hill yeah. TV. Dak is going to have to have some outer body experiences with how he plays in order to win this game. And the question is, will he be able to do it enough? And will he make the mistake or will he make the play? And against this team in the past, it's been he's going to make the mistake. So I'm seeing right now. It's, it's hard for us, I think, to – I mean, it's hard for anybody to make an assessment on a single player when there's so many other things around it that matter. So, oh, like, you said you said Purdy, but then you justify Purdy by saying all this stuff around him, which, yeah, you can't separate it from all the stuff around him. Yep. So we can't isolate the two. I guess I, – and I, like you – came around on Purdy. He does improve this offense. He's not just out yes. there just out there as a cog in the machine. He is an improvement. But what we haven't seen from him is the longevity that Dak has. And I know we talk about Dak not having those big play moments, but he does. He hasn't had it in conference championships. He hasn't had it right, in right. every playoff game. But, like, I go back to he led a game-winning drive against the Seahawks in the playoffs. He led three scoring drives as a rookie in that game that they lost to Aaron Rodgers when he threw that ridiculous pass to the tight end on the sideline. And he's had game-winning drives in in great passes in, the, in uh, regular season games also. So, like, I, I lean to him. But I get Actually, where you're this, coming from. Go ahead. This is why I love doing TV with you because, like, it's very hard. And it's it's very hard to get into nuance and context when you got two or three minutes to yeah. talk about a topic, right? right? If you're asking me what quarterback I'm going to take, I'm going to take Dak Prescott. Like, I and, and sometimes, like, having these conversations get misconstrued that I'm saying Brock Purdy better than Dak Prescott. No. Your situations matter in the NFL more than anything, right? So when you think about um, when you think about talent, right, or you look at well, I give you the litmus test now. Look at Russell Wilson in this 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 new iteration yeah. of Russell Wilson, as opposed to when it was right in Seattle, a great supportive defense, a running back that was going to impact the game, and defense had to pay attention to. It doesn't mean Russ sucks now. It just means Russ was to be trusted a lot better because of what was around it. Um, so I, I think, you know, like with Brock Purdy, man, and we, like we had this come. You remember I used to have such a visceral reaction when people say Jimmy Garoppolo is leading the 49ers <laughs> to Super Bowls. It was just such a terrible, terrible thing to say. Yeah. Um, I think Brock Purdy is a little bit better than Jimmy Garoppolo when it comes to where we see him at this point now. And remember, Jimmy went to two NFC championships and the Super Bowl yep. with this football team. So Kyle Shanahan coupled with Brock Purdy. Let me, I'll rephrase. Yeah, I mean, it's, why it's, I trust it. yeah, I, I, it's indefensible. Like, or I mean, it's obvious that what they've done with him there and he matters to it. So we don't need to take any slice of him. But what you brought up and again, like working together is good because it it sparks things in my mind. The point that I was making and that you made better than me is that context matters and the context of the player, the way we judge the player also matters. And I've been thinking about this too and trying to be honest with, with myself about this because if Brock Purdy or if Trey Lance did the, the numbers that Brock Purdy is doing, I'd be talking about Trey Lance like he was the man. 
But I still harbor a bit of that Mr. Irrelevant, and I still have expectations for Brock Purdy to eventually be that guy. And the fact of the matter is he ain't been that guy for long enough for me to have to accept this. And the same thing happens when we're judging just about anybody else, including Dak Prescott, is like – because the Cowboys are on so much, because we judge Dak week by week, because Jerry Jones going to say some goofy <laughs> in the media every now and then. The way that we talk about Dak Prescott, and I don't think that he needs to be up there with uh, Burrow and Mahomes yeah. and and Allen, but because he's not up there, we talk about him often like he's a failure, a disappointment. That man, nasty. Like he's- Dude, it drives me. It drives me absolutely insane. Like when Dak threw the uh, touchdown. I, I actually get more pissed off when people talk about players on Twitter than when they come at us. Yeah. Because when he threw the interception against Arizona, Dak is trash. <laughs> right? And I tweeted out, I said, Dak, that is trash. Yeah. The interception. Yeah. Okay. No, rephrase Dak trash. <laughs> what? Like, in what world does an NFL player yeah. tell you that a dude don't suck? over this large sample size and you don't believe it because you emotional about mistakes that he's made. Bro, I, and and it, it's the same thing when I'm having conversations about Josh Allen. Like when I went crazy on Josh Allen for week one, throwing three interceptions right. and fumbling the ball. People like, oh, you just hate Josh Allen. No, Josh Allen played like <laughs> Okay? Now he playing phenomenal. Yep. So now I'm going to talk about him in that vein. But to your point, Foxy, the unfair thing about Dak is Every time something bad happens, everybody puts an indictment on his entire career. And I'm with you on that. That I can't stand that. Yeah, that's tough. Because we we just like it's easy and it's convenient and it's popular to say what well, Dak ain't good because he bro, 94% of the quarterbacks in the NFL yeah. mess up in the <laughs> critical moment. Yeah, so, most of the time they do. Like the um yeah. I, I wanted to you you sparked a couple thoughts in my mind. I want to get to this Evan Neal thing where him apologizing for going after the fans. Cause when you started talking about the fans, it made me think about that. But also I wanted to talk about a conversation that we had off air when we were in New York about uh, the offensive line and the support in building a team. And, uh, yeah, I'll just get out the way and let you go off on that because I fully agree with th- with you on that. And uh, Charlie and I have had this conversation before. Bro, it's so dumb, bro. Like, it, it's so dumb for general managers and people that make decisions in the NFL to think that they can play around good line of scrimmages. Like, you know, we, we saw – we we all believe, I think the consensus is Pat Mahomes is the next one after Brady and may catch him and we may say he's the greatest ever when the, when the, when his career is done. Pat Mahomes against Tampa in the Super Bowl can't not come, overcome getting beat upside the head yep. for four quarters, bro. They, like That just is a part of a winning culture. It's synonymous. It's just like when people say Red Arabach was a great coach, he had freaking Bill Russell. <laughs> or they say... Or they say Phil Jackson, the greatest coach. Not, now, I'm not taking that away from them because you have to know how to coach those guys. But having Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant is going to help you be regarded as the greatest coach of all time. Belichick going through it right now. That's the conversation yeah. we had, right? Yep. Like, So it, it ain't that these guys can't coach. It's just 
Bro, can we look at everything? A good offensive line in football is where you start you, to have a good offense. It, it, I know I'm a, a perimeter guy, and I'm not supposed to think this way, but in preseason, when I was making my projections, I don't know if you remember this, Charlie, yeah. but essentially the where I started with predicting every division was like, who got the best O-line? Yeah. And now yes. I'm going to need something else. I'm going to need something else to knock you off before then. And I think that it's possible that – there are some like Jordan level quarterbacks out there. There might be two or three of them where you put them on your team, you make your team better. But planning around catching lightning in a bottle is like is like your um retirement plan is hitting the lottery. So yep. what is much smarter is to protect what is likely gonna be your mediocre quarterback. And if you protect him, guess what? He gonna be good. When you stop protecting him, he gonna be bad. And if you have a great quarterback, you protect him, he gonna be Patrick Mahomes. If you have a great quarterback, you don't protect him, maybe he'll be good. But the thing that's much easier to find is building up a good offensive line. And the same thing, obviously, you as a defensive line and me as a def as a corner. Boy, yeah. when Terrell Suggs getting after that. <laughs> I am Bro. a much better cover man. I tell you that. When I was in, in, in Atlanta, when John Abraham was uh, was hip-tossing yeah, them tackles, boy, I was locking it up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just all connected. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, on Yeho Tequila. Came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. It's it's super connected. I mean, we're seeing that more and more with better edges in the league dominating more and more. But I want to I want to pull this back a tiny bit to the Cowboys because what you guys are talking about with the Lions and stuff, I think that might be really interesting for the fact that they aren't scoring touchdowns in the red zone this season, and they were like the best in the league at scoring in the red zone last year. And the eight Cowboys TDs on eighty five plays is a ten point eight percent touchdown rate, which Ooh. is thirtieth yeah. in the NFL. How much of that is Kellen Moore? How much is that as an aging offensive line? How much of that is the skill group not being as great as we think? Or wh where do you guys fall on this Cowboys offense? Because I think after the first couple of weeks, we thought they were playing really well, but that hasn't right. borne out in the larger sample size of numbers. This is the thing when you, Chris, that's a great question. You asked, like, there, there were two drop 
touchdowns in the first game of the season by tight ends, which would completely change your percentages. And we'd be like, oh, they're not that bad, right? Or you get a situation where you throw a fade to CeeDee Lamb and he's arguing about the call before he actually tries to make a play on the football. I've always contested this, right? Like, so if you have a really good offensive line, you're going to be good in the red area up to a certain point because you know that you can get physical and push the ball in the end zone. But Foxy knows this as well as anybody because we played at a time when Calvin Johnson played football. <laughs> it is players over plays in the red zone. Okay. Yeah. It ain't no damn scheme. It's a small area to operate. You got to have players. That's why DeAndre Hopkins is still a very needed guy in the NFL when it comes to, all right, he out there, throw it. Okay. Those are the things that people. So, so the game is not, and we had the conversation about the analytics last time. Mm -hmm. the, the game is not played in the numbers in the red zone. Like it's easy for us to look at the aftermath of it and mm -hmm. say, well, they suck in the red zone. Let's actually look at what's happening so, in the red zone. So from, right? from a defensive perspective, what the, the thing that scares me the most is giving up the big play. Right. So when we're out in the field, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit hesitant about everything I do because I don't <laughs> want nobody running past my <laughs> It gets a lot easier in the red zone because go ahead, run out the back of the end zone if you want, which yes. is why Marcus is saying, like, the plays can only take you so far. And you think about the Chiefs, they're a good example of both. It's like they have some creative stuff that not too many people see, and that's how they get touchdowns here or there. But they also yep. have players, and it's not just the physical ability of the player. If you saw a couple weeks ago, Travis Kelsey went the wrong way on a route intentionally because right. he has a connection yes. with the quarterback. Not all players have that latitude. Not all like all tight ends or quarterbacks have that connection. And that is just evidence that one of the best offenses we have ever seen, y'all gonna have to do some weird <laughs> down there to score sometimes. You gonna have to figure it out. You, you had, had to figure it you out. You had to figure it out. Hard and the Cowboys hey, haven't figured it look out. At, look at look at Buffalo, Miami and the touchdown dig score. Mm -hmm. That's improvising, bro. That's just a player making a play in the Josh Allen. Yep. So yeah, I'm I, like players over plays for me in the red zone is how I was like brought up yeah. in the NFL. Like either they gonna block your <laughs> and run it in, or you gonna be you gonna be a good enough defensive back to cover this fade, or be man to man out there on the corner Find and out. you gonna make a play. Yeah. It it never was where they gonna out scheme us and score. No, you ain't. What do you think, Chris? <laughs> I uh, personally. I think Kellen Moore might have been better than we think. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. We we can find out soon. It's, yeah. um, it's not. It's not. I got one, one. I'm with you, Chris. I have I have such a hard time with Kellen Moore. Yeah. Because people think I don't think Kellen Moore is a good OC, right? It's like this. It's like dating a beautiful girl, and ninety nine percent of the time you with her, it's phenomenal. Until she fought when y'all have it, <laughs> and it's like. Should this become a big deal because I love everything else about her uh, or I can't handle this part of her? Kellen Moore loses his mind yeah. in critical situations. That's the only – and he has to grow. He's young still. Mm -hmm. He has to grow to understand, like, bro, you know what? Maybe handing this ball off and if we don't get a first down and punting yeah. is a good idea as opposed to throwing it out of bounds three times in overtime. I'm still not over it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Chris, I, was, I mean, ahead. the last <laughs> – the last uh, the last time we saw Kellen Moore call a play against the 49ers, Zeke was playing center. Uh, so not great. He, he did lose uh, his yeah. mind. Um, so to close this out, do you guys think that, you know, Dak's 
been sort of haunted by the 49ers defense? Is this the game where it sort of flips a little bit? Is it less pressure because it's not you can't, a, a – You can't ask Marcus this question because his his I know that his heart is with the Cowboys, so he's going to either do one of two things. I know he's not going to lie to himself. He's going to try to reverse jinx it. He's going to be he yeah. gonna be down on him and, and so that y'all can't hurt him that bad. I, I want to be wrong. <laughs> I believe that he I will. Be I believe yeah. that he will. I believe that he – this is the game – that he proves to everybody something that we already know is true is that he is capable of beating the 49ers and he's capable of playing well in big games. It, the the best um, representation of how unfair the conversation around Dak is, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve criticism. I'm not a complete Dak apologist, despite the fact that Greeny suggests that we cousins. But the um, the the depiction of it from last season, they that man went bananas on the Bucks in a playoff game. We're coming in playoffs. They're like, Dak, don't do it in but a playoff. That's not what I'm talking about. It's just this specific matchup. No, I'm this, saying, no, no, this I got is a it. tough I, matchup. I already yeah. answered that question. Yeah. I just was going back to something else that I wanted to do. Relax, <laughs> relax Chris. Your name ain't on the show, Chris Kravitz. Oh, My man. name's on the show, Christopher. All right. So the point I was making is that I hate, I hate the, you. the conversation around the conversation around the I'm show. Being gaslit around, around, in so many ways right the now. The conversation around Dak was he can't perform well in a, in a big game. He went nuts in a big game. And then he didn't do well in a big game. But like all quarterbacks no. go up and down in these situations. You're fighting the, ghosts the suggestion right now. is that he's not capable of it. All right. I'm done. I forgot. Oh, right, I did so, want to talk to you about Evan Neal. Unless you had something to add on that. I didn't know if you had no, caught up with it. No, I love you. I love you, but you were the ultimate Dak apologist just now. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I appreciate it. Chris, I, I to answer your you. question, Dak has been against the 49ers, and he doesn't need to be Sunday. All right, my cousin. All right, y'all get off his back. All right. Thank, get off cousin Dak's back. All right. Thank you, Marcus. That's all uh, I was trying yeah, to ask. Did you want to get to the Evan Neal stuff or not? I don't know. Did yeah, you, I don't care. Yeah, did you uh, have yeah. any thoughts about I don't know. I My my feeling was, so Evan Neal uh, said the fans should boo louder, and he's called them burger flippers, and, like, they don't know what they're looking at. I found it kind of interesting because it's a funny dynamic where, and and then uh, I guess it was Don LaGreca, like, went off on him <laughs> and said, uh, like, the fans pay your salary. That's always annoying to me but I guess my my yeah my point uh of it was kind of like maybe he shouldn't have said it but he ain't wrong y'all don't know what you're talking about shut the hell up but yeah, yeah. y'all don't got to be fair fair weather fans but you y'all can be fair weather fans but passing judgment like you know what you're watching to me is 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 tough yeah it's tough um but I will say probably you know how I am on this man you you've you tapped into my sensitivity a couple of years ago and said, hey, man, you need to be a little bit more sensitive <laughs> to things that happen because everybody don't think how you think, okay? And I get it. Helping each the, other grow, the baby. Only issue I have, the only issue I have with Evan Neal is that now you've let them know that yeah. you listening and they can get to you. Like, that's the only issue. Us being pissed off about what fans saying is an age-old tale in the NFL mm. because, honestly, they half the time they don't know what the hell they're looking at, Okay. But the problem is now when they focus on you and that that defensive end run around the corner and kill Daniel Jones, it it it's going to elevate. Mm -hmm. The noise is going to get higher and there's more emphasis put on you messing up as an individual than anything. By the way, he's not playing great, mm -hmm. okay? So this was absolutely not the time to say <laughs> anything um, back. But, hey, man, you know, sometimes it gets to you. And I do, this is my sensitivity training from Foxy. <laughs> Okay, he's young, yeah. and can't expect these young dudes who pay attention to everything yeah. that's being said 
not to have the emotional response at some point when it gets too heavy on. Yeah, you can't you can't let them know that you're listening or that it bothers you. But it is funny him saying that it doesn't matter what they say, while obviously showing that it matters what they it say matters. to him a, a, a great deal. Yeah, I just generally it just kind of annoys me. The the funny thing, and there is no answer for this, but the funny thing about it is it kind of makes me think about like who is like on top in this hierarchy. And we often think about like celebrities, like you pay to go see Beyonce because you look up to Beyonce and you love her, but you also paying her to sing and dance for you. And if somebody walked up to me on the street and said, sing a song, dance, threw some money at me, like I would not feel respected. So it's like- You wouldn't I, respond with how much? <laughs> I, I, no, at first I'd be insulted. Like, no, you're not just gonna throw yeah. the money at me and tell me to dance. And so like, this is like, uh, the same situation where these fans feel like they are above Evan Neal and Evan Neal is very much thinking like, nah, you below me. So shut your Bro, mouth. The sentiment, the sentiment that I work for you is when I get sideways yeah. with fans. Yeah. I don't work for you. Like, and honestly, the conversation that I'm having with my coaches in this building could be op like yeah. completely different than what you think is happening. So yeah, it, Hey man, listen, the fans, Here's what the fans do for football. And I've always said this even when I play. What they do for football is make it important to the rest of the world. Okay? Because they watch the emotional attachment that true fans have to football. And they like, damn, I wonder. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. I'll 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 watch soccer a lot of the times um to see the stands. Oh, they know people be going nuts, dog. Yeah, they got like they got a uh... What are those things? Flares in the crowd and singing yeah, songs. Bro. They be having street like, fights about and, and it. And they make the they make the atmosphere. And and honestly, bro, like I think it's almost like social media. Mm -hmm. The 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 negative ones always are yeah. louder. The, most fans are supportive. Yep. I, I will say that. It's but but you know, sometimes, man, you got to get that get back, you know? <laughs> yeah, most of them have perspective, and they recognize that this is a game and that flipping yeah. out on players is not worth it. Y'all here for entertainment, it. and yeah. we did miss them, the pandemic. The games felt real whack when there was nobody in there yelling. But, yeah, y'all here for some entertainment. Enjoy yourself. All right, speaking of enjoying ourselves, thank you so much. Marcus making this happen. I'm going to keep thank using you, know you till you tell me I can't no more. So I you appreciate it. I you know it? I'll see you in a couple weeks maybe. You know it, brother. I got you. All right. Appreciate you, Chris. Yes, sir. Y'all take care, man. Bye. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. All right. My favorite segment. Oh, no. It's my favorite person. Your favorite segment. <laughs> Roses and Thorns with my wife, I Ashley I think neither Foxworth. of those things is true, uh, but Everybody it's okay. loves this segment, and I love you. I know, but you already told me I'm not your favorite person. You are. I didn't say that. I was being coy for our young. You're so coy and yeah, cute. You're my favorite in the whole earth. I think I should be. Like, I you get are. we love our kids, and we if we had to save one of our lives, we'd be like, cool, you've had a good 40 years, 39 years. We would save our kids' lives. But, like, they were given to us, and we chose each other. I got dark quicks. Why somebody got to die? <laughs> anyway, Serafina, lighten us up. What you got for us this week? Hey, hey guys. Serafina. Hey. So this week, um, we're going to talk about marriages, as we talk about most weeks. But hey. <laughs> it's a thing. We're just holding on to ours. You know, let's keep talking about them. Yeah, very specific topic today. So Brene Brown is a researcher and best-selling author. And a clip from her appearance on The Tim Ferriss Show back in 2020 is recirculating on the internet where she talks about how marriage being 50-50 is BS. Instead of going 50-50, so to speak, she says her and her husband tell each other the levels they have in terms of energy, investment, kindness, et cetera, during the day. And if one person is at a 30 and the other person is at 70, then the partner with the most energy takes on more household responsibilities like chores and whatnot. If they're both gassed and let's say at a 30 apiece, she says they sit down and try to figure out a plan of kindness towards each other. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I I think I want to hear what Ashley has to say first because I think my first reaction to this was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense, works for them. But the more I think about it, the less I like it. For me, it does not work. I like, and I'm not trying to sound like some girl who's like, oh my God, I don't like numbers. I don't like math. But I don't think about things that way. Like in terms of like quantifying things, that's just not how I think. Even like our kids are often like, well, let's rank things. What's your favorite? I hate, they ask us the question, what's your favorite something every day? And I just hate that. That's not how I think. Um, And so One, yeah, I agree that marriage is not 50-50. Like, I think Michelle Obama said it a little bit better, where she was like, there are times of your life where one person maybe is giving more. But even then, it's assuming that you can quantify things. Like, we're giving different things. Like, when he's in New York um, in the beginning of the week, he's waking up at 5 a.m. to get on Get Up, and he's worried about, you know, X set of things all day. I'm waking up at 6.35 to deal with the kids, and I'm worried about Y things all day. Are is one of us giving yeah. more or less, you know, like, like, yeah. and so I just think like with marriage, I feel like we have at all times, like a bunch of different colored balls up in the air on different planes. Like, and as long as they're all being caught by who, doesn't by matter. whom it doesn't matter, like they're being caught. And I, and maybe that's, maybe I'm thinking about this no. differently. Yeah. I think I, I, you and I, I guess this is good to know. Cause we've never had like, a conversation about this explicitly, but I feel the same way. I think I'm more likely to quantify yes, things. Yes, he loves and I to think quantify. I, I am more comfortable with like the idea, the concept in general of keeping score. But I don't think of us as at least the way that she presents it to me. It sounds like you are in opposition to uh, your spouse, and I wouldn't think of it that way. I think of us as being on the same team, and we are up against these kids. We are up against these bills. We are up against the world. We are up against uh, whatever is going on, and like that's how I think about it. And if you are in the course of whatever competitive endeavor, sometimes somebody gonna make more plays than the other, and it doesn't matter as long as you get the win at the end of the day. Sorry to go sportsy on the sports show, but it that's is, how I view it. I like it. And yeah, go ahead. 
I just think that also, like, even if you could say, like, in her point, um, like, you know, right now, I think hers is like me. Right now, I have 30% of my tank to give. Like, if we each need to be able to give 50% to make this partnership work, right now, I have 20% or 30% of my tank to give. So I'm going to need you to pull me with 80 or 70% to get us to 100 together. I think, like, you can't quantify certain things. And even if you could quantify certain things, then different things are quantified differently. Like, like what is the mental anguish that it takes to deal with people you don't want to deal with at work all day and worry about are the bills getting paid and, and like, is this home renovation <laughs> going to bankrupt us versus what is the mental anguish that it takes to be able to communicate with parents and teachers and administrators at your kid's school while dealing with your kids and standing up for them. And like, and so, so I just, I, even if things were quantifiable, I think they're quantif the different things that the different things, tasks or asks that go into a marriage are quantified yeah. differently. In her defense, I would say that the point isn't, uh, yeah, to fully quantify, quantify yeah. the point is it's a way to create some sort of communication and put all the cards on the table. But I will say for me, the times that I've ever felt like not great about our relationship are because I am quantifying those things yeah. and I'm like trying to keep score and I have expectations that aren't being met. And I start thinking, well, I do all this and why don't you do all that? And I think the tough thing about that is I'm me. So no matter what I'm doing, I'm going to view what I'm doing as more valuable because I'm looking at life my way. And I was thinking about certain things that come more easily to you or me or to any other person. It might require a certain amount of energy, emotional, physical, mental, to accomplish something for me. And I think it might require less for you. And I believe that while we calculate when we're keeping score, or quantifying other people, we calculate their output. I think they calculate their effort. And I think it makes it really hard. Wow. To, to, That's what? deep. I, I think it makes it really hard to understand. I'm being mocked right now, but no, I think I it's think really it's hard. Like, to, I want you guys to rewind it and play it again. Like slow it down. I just wow. We're really, calculating our output. They're calculating their effort. I mean, I think it's hard to understand, like to have value for those sorts of things because it's like, like, I, I don't know any, I don't want to use us as an example because that feels like not fair to you, but it. Oh, go ahead. Bring it on. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm no, joking. I was just saying it's, um, I think we can use shopping. That's a perfect example. Like it's That's easy. It's very easy for me not to spend money or whatever. Whereas me, I see a coat that looks like an ombre rainbow and I'm like, but the coat is me. I need it. It comes Sounds tomorrow. Like got, yeah. I was going to say that would, that sounded awfully damn specific. Mm -hmm. It's so perfect. Yeah. And here's the part, like Miranda in Sex and I, in the City, yeah. like in the new reboot, was wearing like this Oscar de la Rena ombre coat that like all of my friends like, Ashley, this looks so like you. Well, that was really expensive. So I saw this other one by a brand that I like that came and I was like, well, this is expensive, but not really expensive. Um, so in girl math terms, I saved money. Um, yeah, I got so, us a $10,000 rebate. In fact. And so that is the effort yeah. for you. So, so like, yeah, no, I understand. And I think for me though, the one thing about quantifying where sometimes I get a little defensive is I think like, because I don't like have a paying job, <laughs> um, sometimes like it's easy. You can quantify money easily. You can look at how much money I spend and like, um, and that is very easily, that is literally quantifiable. And so I look at, and he's like works and he's also a good dad like and obviously he doesn't necessarily do or have the capacity or the time or the not having to travel for workness that I don't 
that I have um, to be present for our kids in some of the ways that I can be. But it's like, well, how do you quantify that? Like, how do you quantify things like, like when is hard for you, I'm always going to be strong for you. And both of us, I think, yeah. do that in different ways for each other. Like, there are just certain things. Like, how do you quantify being the one that, like, even as one person is maybe moody or sullen, the other person stays cheery and maintains joy in the relationship? How do you quantify that? Especially when, as it's so happening, not everybody can value it. Like, there are just certain things that you can't quantify. And so I think Michelle Obama explained it a little bit better, no offense, um, where she just, like, at times, like, one person is going to... Um, sacrifice more or give differently um, and not even like overall perhaps but in certain ways like like than other people will and so or than the other you know partner will um, I think the best way that I, I had a friend reach out not too long ago and ask about like advice and like I don't tend not to give advice to people's marriage because or relationships because like their relationship is their relationship but I can like tell them based on me like if you're like me this is what helped me and like Fully understanding and accepting that we're on the same team and I'm not going anywhere. Me neither. I was just saying that that making that commitment and also trying your best to remember that to remember that your partner has best intentions in mind and that whatever they're doing to upset you is not their intent to upset you. Just try to remind yourself they are doing the best that they can. You are doing the best that you can. You are both trying to win. Whatever it is, and maybe you don't look at things as win or loss, but in me, it helps me to think, <laughs> like, to we got to be, and I talked about it this year because we got the renovations, we got a lot of stress about school with, with our kids, we got a lot of things going on. I'm going to start traveling, and the pandemic's kind of over, so the, all that home stuff. So, like, before fall started, I said to you, like, we really going to love each other at the end of fall because I expected it to be really hard. And I looked at it like, all right, this is a challenge. It's going to be tough. I don't think you looked at it that way or appreciated the way that I was looking no, at I it. But, oh, yeah, but that's the way that I thought about it. And that's like, no, but we're together. No matter what, it's going to be hard on us. And we're going to be annoyed with each other at certain times for this. But I ain't going nowhere. And you're not going nowhere. And we're going to make this shit work. And not like in a we'll just live unhappily together. But like mm. I think we realize that ultimately – like we can be happier together than we could be apart. Like separating, like like with him, a lot, like a lot of your complaints will be like you spend a lot of money. Like he'll be happier with me spending a lot of money than giving me half, honestly, more than half because I would take child support too of his money. So so like just stick with me and love me. I mean that's not the math that I was doing because honestly I think that I personally would have. Yeah, he's a like lot I would more. have a tiny apartment yeah, and yeah, I would be alone. I'd be happy. I have an um, Xbox, but I'm saying it's not about internet. money. Like it's not about the things that upset you. Money's upsetting Great. you. Like you are happy. I think I think we make each other happy and we want to stay together. Cool. All right. <laughs> I don't know how long we going, but probably too long. Anyway. Um, okay. I actually have a down. rose. Okay. Actually, I have a thorn too. My thorn is that quickly. The Hugga Bros are now one and two. They have really, it seems like talented players. So I'm wondering, is it the coach? It is. But it's okay. Fully it's okay. Except that it's the coach. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, so but also, like, the rose is that the Hug Rose is my son's football team that Dominique coaches. The, um, the rose is that the kids are like growing in a lot of ways, like emotionally. So I think that's great. Like, you're teaching them. So Everybody much. makes the playoffs. We're using a regular season to learn and grow. We'll be that's, all what, right. that's what everyone says, right? Every coach says. Um, it's like, I don't know anything about sports. They might say that. But the real rose is this Dominique went to two 
parties within one night one of them we had to like help host for our kids school so he had to like like pick up all the food for and help set up and the other one we went to after it was my cousin's birthday party and by the time we got there everyone had been there longer was at a club and everyone had been drinking a lot more drinking and yes i had some some family members who've been partying right and he he was great I mean, yes, he was sitting in a corner some by my cousin's party, but it was after really trying to not be the person sitting in a corner, but it took it out of him. But he was really great and social, and I think like it was one of our best social nights since we've been trying to be social as a couple with other people. Like, when just the two of us, we've got it, but when other people are around, sometimes it gets to be too much. Eight people. All right, we're done now? Um, apparently. Oh, this is fun. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, Ashley, for being here. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Marcus Spears. And thank you to all my great producers, uh, Serafina, Brian, Kevin, Megan, and Podville for this great studio. And we out. I want to start singing Forever My Lady after that that part where Casey. You should like, stay to talk to Marcus. He loves the um he loves the Diddy album as much as <gasps> we can have a meeting about it quickly. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.